Hi, I'm Vanessa, a birth and postpartum doula, the modern doula. It takes a village to raise a child, and we built a village for you. In this podcast, we bring together leading obstetricians, mums, midwives, and more to empower you through every stage of your journey. Let us together develop a personalized approach that embraces the fact that no birth is the same. Each mother and baby's journey are unique and special in their own way. Hi guys, today, or this episode, you have all of me. Um, Today in this episode, we talk about frequently asked questions. And so I put it up on my social media, frequently asked questions that I get asked quite often as a doula. Um, And we're going to go through them a little bit today. Bear with me. I am on my phone, so I am reading and talking to you at the same time. So let's jump straight in. So I like to do Q&As a bit often on my Instagram page because it also gives me an insight why and reasons why you follow me because it's everyone's reason is really different, to be honest. Um, I also have mums of mums follow me. Um, so grandparents are following me and we have dads. Then I have other professionals and other doulas that follow me on Instagram. So um, I'm here to my biggest reason that I do what I do and have a social media page is to educate. So let's dive into some of the questions that you guys ask me often. Are there different types of doulas? Yes, there is. And we've spoken to this on other podcasts and you see this on my social media is there are different types of doulas and there are birth doulas, there are postpartum doulas, and they are end of life doulas. And all of us do different roles and we do it all differently. So in my aspect, I do birth and postpartum. Some doulas just focus on certain areas. So for example, just postpartum. In we do that, we do it very differently in the full aspects of what we offer as doulas. And if you've Googled and ever looked up a doula where there's a spectrum of us and we all tailor to everyone's needs a little bit differently. Um, so birth workers will do birth education. They're present in the birth. And postpartum doulas and birth, most birth doulas, I should say, will carry on and do some postpartum work with you as well. Postpartum doulas just focus on the fourth trimester, and that is such an important aspect of birth as well as um the journey. And so having you in the fourth trimester is a a beautiful aspect of parenthood. Some doulas in the postpartum area cook or clean as well as looking after mum and baby and they'll help a little bit of domestic chores around the house. Some Some doulas don't do that in the postpartum period, but we're very much there to support your journey and give you the tools to um, navigate that that journey. The other aspect or the other way of doulas is the end of life doulas. And um, I'm not sure if you know this, but when my training, I got an element of end of life um, aspect of supporting a couple or family because birth doesn't always end or um, 
continue the way we expect it to be. Um, so we have that support of helping families and what that looks like if you were to um, miscarry or have a termination or have a stillborn. Um, but end-of-life doulas don't just deal with pregnancy. They also deal with um, women, people that are terminally ill with cancer or um, needing that extra support just as we are at the beginning of life. We're always, we're also there at the end of life. So that's something that you may not know about us. One big question I also get is vaginal birth and how, if we could go through it with no pain relief. Of course you can. There are different ways. Yes, we understand there are medical aspects of pain relief, but there are also natural ways of dealing with pain relief in labour. Firstly, fine education, do your education when it comes to knowing these methods. Um, There are medicated, and we know that through the the hospital system, even if, and I can say, and I'm going to throw this off the cuff, is that I have been in an induction birth and everyone hears about inductions that you're instantly going to need an epidural. I can tell you that's not the case. I have been in a birth, many births through an induction, that a woman has not need any pain relief and she's used the TENS machine and other aspects of water. Water is amazing. So if you can get yourself, if you can't get in a pool or your hospital facility doesn't supply or have a bath, getting in the shower, having heat on your back, sitting on the ball is one a big pain relief. You've got to think when you're in pain, you've got period pain or you've got a sore tummy, sometimes just being in the hot shower, how amazing that feels. So you do and mimic that in the birth space as well. If you can't get in and out of a shower or a bath, I like to use heat packs. So that's one aspect that you can do. Um, Some hospitals have them. Otherwise, you can bring them with you and ask them, you're more likely wanting a gel heat pack or you can get sticky ones that can actually stick to the back of your underwear um, that you can use. I'm not sure some hospitals don't like uh, wheat bags because of you're not sure and obviously it can be a hazard. So heat is amazing in that birth space. And I generally, another tip, I'm going to give you a little bit of a tip here. If you're going to use heat packs, I like to use two, one in the front, one in the back. So one at the lower part of the belly where you're having a contraction and one at the back. So just above where the, even where the TENS machine sits and to have that as well as having a contraction helps with that pain. So sometimes you're feeling it more in your back or on your front, but heat will help. I also like using the comb technique and probably everyone's like, what is the comb technique? It's an actual comb that you use for your hair. And you use it as long as it's the width of your palm and you squeeze it as you're having a contraction. And what that does is it tricks the brain signals of where your pain signals are coming just as the TENS machine is doing. I have women that love that comb and bring it everywhere, even if they're falling asleep in that birth space. They put it right beside their head and um, hold on to their comb. So there are ways and obviously breath work. Breath work is an amazing tool in that space to breathe through your contractions. And we all talk about the power of breath. So you bringing that into that space. The other way is movement. 
movement and change of movement can actually help you work or progress labor a little bit more. Even though that you love a, a position, I always will tell my women to move and change it up a little bit because you'd be quite surprised if you do move how much that actually helps your body in um, working even better than what you would have probably thought. And trust me, there are stages in labour where women will be like, I am not moving. What is she thinking about? But movement is also um, a form of working through pain relief without having um, the uh, medicated way of, of pain relief. I can talk about pain relief in the medical aspect of things, but I don't. Um, maybe we'll do that in another segment. But, yes, we are aware that there are other, th- other tools with pain relief, but there are different ways we, uh, to manage your pain in that birth space before you use um, medicated pain relief. So yes, definitely you can have a vaginal birth without using pain relief. I always say as well, get a doula, get your team, get a private midwife if you're not looking at a doula to know and how to manage and coach you through that because a lot of it is also you will go through a stage and you're like, I can't do this anymore. And having that coach can push you a little bit more um, and guide you through that next contraction, okay? Can you support people during their infertility not yet pregnant? And yes, I can, and I do offer that service. Not all doulas do. Um, a little bit about me, and if you've listened to the podcast or you've been following me on social media, I have a background of IVF and worked in it for some time. And I do understand a lot of protocols um, and working obviously with an obstetrician and infertility specialist, I'm still in that area. Um, I do get contacted when women are going through that journey um, and I've been with women that are having their transfers. I've been right next to them as they're, they're going through that. You have a beautiful team when you are going through fertility but there are sometimes... A, another element of support that you need. And of course, yes, I do support people that are going through fertility or even thinking about starting a family. And so people do reach out. So I, you never know. And I'm here to help. Um, but I, I would have to say though, of late, I've had a lot of people actually contact me on social media about this. And it's an interesting topic that people are wanting to actually go into the doula space just for IVF and fertility, okay? So watch the space, you know, where we're educating people about becoming doulas and it doesn't need to look like what we said, birth, postpartum, end of life. And we're here to, well, the meaning of a doula is to serve and to um, be with you and to serve a woman. So, who says you can't have a fertility doula or an IVF doula? So if that's something that you're interested in, why not tap into the space and help women that are going through it? How to become a doula? It's one big question I get asked all the time. There are a lot of many courses that are around um, in Australia that supports um, birth or postpartum. Some focus just on birth. There are the biggest thing that I ask and I say to people that are wanting to come into this space is 
obviously each, it's like when you're going to even university, right? You're going to look at psychology courses and there are going to be courses that align with you and then there's going to be courses that just doesn't fit, right? I always say contact the college, look at where, and if you look up, and it's easy to look up, there are places in Melbourne, there's the Australian College of um, Doulas, they're in Queensland, look at, look them up. You will find what resonates with you when it's your studies, Um, but it's, yes, it's done in Australia. Um, when When you become a doula, you do need to do um, certain births as well um, to get your, um, well, I had to, is that you had to um, do so many births to get your cert, your next certification of, yes, you can do the studies, but also for birth work, you need to do so many to get that other certificate. One question I do want to ask you is that when you are um, looking at a doula, is ask them, are they trainee? Have you been in that birth space before? And how many births have you done? And you could always ask them where did they did their, their training as well. I did my training here in Melbourne called Dialadula. They've been around for a very long time. I liked it because I did different modules. I did my birth training, then my postpartum training. Um, and it's important to look at both aspects because I I knew that people that were coming into that space that just wanted to do postpartum work and they didn't want to look at the birth work. So when you are doing your research, becoming a doula, find what fits. And I have people that have actually contacted me from New Zealand that want to do the Australian training compared to their training in their own country, even in the United States. So, and that's because there's different elements. And look at the course structure Um, when you are wanting to become a doula. So yes, how do you become a doula? Um, And it's an interesting question. If this resonates to you, no one needs to tell you how to do your profession. You'll know and how to find those tools. But if you are wanting to, you know, look at all aspects of what resonates to you, which part of doula work you want to do. Any words for a mum worried about having a toddler, with a, leaving her toddler to have baby number two? I remember when I, I'm a mum of two girls and I remember before my first, I was crying the days before I had my, my second, thinking how could I leave my firstborn? And it is such a worry on us mums going into that next, even if it's your second or third, you're always going to worry about the children you have at home, right? And I always say to my clients, this is the only time that this bubba has all of you before you go home. Your first had all of you. Your second had parts of you in that in that time, but and people say, I want to discharge myself and go home because I want to get to my family. It's not selfish to stay in hospital and focus on this bubby because, as I said, this is the only time this baby gets all of you and completely all of you. So be kind to yourself. Don't put extra pressures on how it has to look also when you get home with a toddler. Um, it's an adjustment for all and um, you'd be quite surprised when your toddler meets their brother or sister, 
they instantly know that it's part of you and part of the family. Yes, when you get home, there's going to be challenges and what that looks like, but you'd be quite surprised when they first walk into that room and they see Bubba for the first time. What that, that And it's a special moment for um, us parents and mums to see that. So um, have a chat, you know, with people, friends. I'm sure that friends and family will tell you what their experience was, was like leaving a toddler at home going off. Um, but it's a very normal emotion at this stage. Also for you because thinking how am I going to cope with two or three or four, it happens. Um, and so it's an adjustment not only for them but for you as well. Next question, advice for a first-time mum in her first trimester? Um, this is a good question and there's a different elements of which way I talk about this is people always think that they have to wait until their 12, 13-week scan. And I always say to people, you need the people that would support you no matter which way or what would happen in this time. Meaning that support if you were to miscarry, that you have your close people with you. Because the hardest thing is, is that if something does happen, people don't know and wouldn't know how to approach the situation. They might think you're off. Um, and I think we forget in this society to ask if someone's okay and how are you. Um, so I think people, even though that we want people to understand or assume that what we're going through, they don't. Um, it's a trimester that a lot's happening. There's a lot of cell division. You're tired. It's a hormonal shift. Um, you know, people are suffering from morning sickness or, you know, not, you know, not having morning sickness and not knowing if things are progressing. And it's another, you know, most people think, oh, I don't know. You're not feeling kicks. You're not, some people are not, got a little bump. So you're like, am I pregnant? Do I need to pee on another stick? So there's so much emotions at the first trimester. So I would say at the beginning, find your, find your village, find your people to help you navigate, even post um, going into your pregnancy because the first trimester is as important as all trimesters. So um, my biggest advice, and you don't need to, but I would say is just find or talk to the people that are so close to you that can give you that support because the hardest thing is that people want to share news or they're too scared to share news, but they don't do it in this time. So find your person that's not your partner or if you're doing a solo journey, find that person that you can actually talk to as you're navigating or taking those steps into parenthood. Can you go for a VBAC after a, a, a cesarean emergency. So what a VBAC is, a vaginal birth after cesarean. Yes, you can. Um, so my biggest thing is, is find your team, find your healthcare provider that will support a VBAC, so a vaginal birth after a cesarean. Understanding why you had a cesarean birth to begin with is really important so you can navigate those steps in getting into your VBAC or your, your vaginal birth. So find your team, do your research, speak to one OB, speak to one midwife, speak to your team. If, they don't, if, you, if that answer doesn't sit right with you the first time, 
find your other team that will support that or understand the reasons why if this is not an option for you. But yes, definitely I have been in many VBACs or vaginal births after an emergency cesarean or what I call an unplanned cesarean. So um, yes, it's, it's definitely an option, but do your research, find your team. Can you do, um, can doulas or can I or other doulas help with cesarean sections? Yes, we can. There are some doulas that um, have a particular way of support, um, certain births they do support. I support women in all elements of birth, no matter what that looks like. So when you are looking for your doula, find what they can support. Yes, unfortunately, I do know doulas that will not support women that are birthing in a hospital setting or will not support a woman knowing that they want an epidural, okay? It is a thing and it's really important for you to have a look, speak to your, mid- your doula um, and interview them just like you would interview or speak to your healthcare provider, do the same thing and I encourage that. But yes, there are doulas out there that would definitely support women going through uh, wanting a cesarean or needing a cesarean birth later down the track. So yes, find your doula that works for you um, and your, your journey. Can you educate couples prior even though you're not planning to have a doula in the birth space? Yes, you can. I definitely, and I do birth classes for couples that can um, or want education prior. I'm also a hypnobirthing practitioner, so I do different elements of that in that space. Um, I do offer that, but as I said, you will need to ask doulas that can you just get prior support. Um, I also say, and my biggest slogan is, is that I give you the tools in that space and I don't come in and tie up. I don't come in with my super cape. I come in and tie up your super cape. So it's about knowing it's the powers within you. We're just your cheerleaders in that space. So um, yes, you could do pre. And some people even want to, for example, approach me if just wanting chat about the fourth trimester before that happens as well. So yes, I do that. I do support others. Is there a way to help baby move to get into the correct position for birth? Yes, there are different elements. And I might actually do this as a whole subject on its own about birth positions and get helping baby enter into that birth canal. But there are elements or ways that can help acupuncture. Um, we, there's a thing called spinning babies. Um, always, if you're going to do spinning babies, is get the okay from your healthcare provider before you do anything like that, so your midwife or your obstetrician. So don't just get onto Google and get into a position that can, um, you know, if you've got high blood pressure or anything like that. So making always making sure that you are speaking to a healthcare provider before you do anything um, because, yes, social media and aspects of Google, we can get an instant response on how to fix something. So making sure, but yes, there are ways to get baby into an ideal position um, to help with birth. Okay, so bear with me. Yes, I apologise. I am reading through my phone and I've lost my question. Um, How do I manage being a doula and having young children? Well, this is a really good question. I'm a mother of two girls, so I have a six and three-year-old. 
It is a challenge. And just as I tell you to create your village, I have my own village. I have a very supportive partner that um, as much as I'm on call, he's on call as well. It sounds really funny, but he sort of knows when my women are going into labour or give an example. The other day I had a lady that needed an emergency birth in the afternoon. So it happened pretty quickly and we had to organise our children to be picked up. Um, and I might get him on the podcast so you can actually hear the chaos, the chaos that happens behind the scenes. I don't get to share much of it on social media, but I wouldn't be able to do what I could do without a supportive partner and friends and family that come and help whenever I need a birth, I've gone going into a birth or I've been called, I have people that are on standby for me. So I'm very blessed and honoured um, to be able to do what I do with, with the people around me. And um, my girls love it when they know that I, when the doula bag comes out, that mum's gone going off to help um, and there's a new baby that's going to come into the world. So they often ask me, um, if the baby was a boy or a girl and what their name was. So they get very excited and often some of my clients do meet my children um, and, yeah, they also educate people what a doula is, which I actually love. So um, I have a village just as much as you guys have a village. How many births have I supported? Currently at the moment um, I have supported exactly 65 births at, um, I've had some births while I've been recording the podcast. Um, so I've had 65 births and honoured to be part of every birth that I had. And, and you might think, oh, my God, she constantly says she's honoured and blessed. And I truly am. I'm grateful for the opportunities that I have been given to watch and be part of um and welcome into their birth space because, and I always will send messages post to delivery and say thank you for welcoming me into your space because they really have. Um, and I am a, an auntie to a lot of babies, I would have to say, because I become along, become part of the family. I do come into their homes and see a different aspect of their journey as well as their medical team. So um, I, I'm very honoured and blessed to have supported the many families that I have and continue to. What is the best part of being a doula? The best part of being a doula, I would say, is watching um, not only being in the birth space but also postpartum. I don't want to always focus on birth because the fourth trimester or postpartum period is very important. And there's so many elements that, I can't even tell you which part is the best part of being a doula because all of it is beautiful. Um, in the birth space, obviously watching birth happen, watching parents' reaction when they meet their, their baby, the room goes silent. There's no words that can explain that transformation that happens in that time. So a lot of the time I do cry in that birth space and I you know, watch that and I'm honoured to to see that, especially if people have been on a journey or not been on a journey to become parents. It's pretty amazing um, to be into that space and watching it. 
Chemist Warehouse Pick of the Week. Today we're talking about Level Up. It's a hydration powder. It's so, firstly, I have to say it's so yum. All flavours. There's not one flavour that I don't like. I keep them in my doula bag. I talk to all the school mums about it. When you need that extra pick-me-up, it's something that you would, I would highly recommend. We always need hydration, ladies. We always, and something you just sometimes, you just don't want to drink normal water, but it's something to always have postpartum mums. It's really good to have and give you, keep you hydrated in those times because what you're doing is you're constantly parched and you want to drink. Get onto some level up. Always read the label before. In the postpartum journey, I love watching parents and mothers grow in this space. As much as it's hard, but, you know, I love, you know, you've seen or listened to some of the clients that have been on the podcast six months down the track and seeing their journey evolve um, and watching them change. It's, 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 it's a beautiful time and seeing, um, you know, even like two or three years down the track when I get called and seeing their little ones and how much when the first time I met them to, to now, um, you're watching someone change in their seasons of life. It's, it's pretty amazing. So um, it's very hard to actually say what I love. I love it all, really, to be honest. What's the hardest part of being a doula? I think the hardest part for me is that um, it's not always like what you see on social media. And so social media always plays a big role of what we see. And there's a lot that I don't share. And it's not the things that are hard about being a doula. It's just um, being able to support people in a way that they are vulnerable and making sure that I get debriefed after all these um, births and postpartum journey that we can help. Um, Birth isn't always what we expect it to be. Um, and, you know, we see it and hear about birth trauma. And so I think the hardest part is um, is being able to, I wouldn't say hard, but challenging is being able to support people in different aspects of what they are needing as well. So I like to keep up my studies um, to be able to help things in that, in that space. But I, I wouldn't say that the, you know, the hardest part is, you know, everyone's different. And so I've got many hats in that space and postpartum. In, and so I would, um, you get actually learned to, to which hat you need to put on at certain stages. So I wouldn't say there's a hard part, but it's not always what you see on social media about being um, a doula and being beautiful and glamorous because there are some aspects that we, we are um, working with women uh, or couples or that are, it's not what you see on social that birth is beautiful or postpartum journey is beautiful. So, yes, I hope I answered that to, to the, the best I could. Do you have any advice for a postpartum mum? Most definitely do I have. Um, I think postpartum is forgotten a little bit. Yes, we talk about it a little bit more on social media and the fourth trimester. And um, 
It's about creating and finding your village. You find that a lot of people that talk about postpartum didn't have that initial support or had the support or found that support later down the track and wish that they had that. Um, Have your training before. Um, I'd cover a lot of postpartum in my training with my couples or my families about what to expect not only for you but for partners or for friends to understand what is happening to you as well as bub because I think we're focused so much about baby that we forget to focus on um, mum and what's happening to her body postpartum. We also have, um, and don't think I'm dissing social media because you probably found me through social media, but social media has an element of what. Ex, what's reality and what our expectations really are in that in that journey. So I think we sort of set ourselves what it has to look like. And I always say to my clients, it's not always a Johnson and Johnson ad, and we're not always smiling around a a, um, a bathtub. You know, we're generally either not showered, our hairs up in a messy bun, and got spit up on our shoulders and things like that. And it in in it is. It, it's hard. Um, I put something up recently um, and talked about it that 50% of us focus on birth and not the fourth trimester. So or we focus on our birth plans and not our fourth trimester plan. So what I would leave with this question is what is your fourth trimester plan? What is your postpartum plan? And what do you want that to look like? And create that village before you get there. Any tips for hubby and support people in the birth space? Well, we know that this is a new time for couples of having that. Couples or partners will always think that they're either not doing something right or not enough. I would just say don't be afraid to be involved in the birth space. Don't forget to touch her, to be next to her, to hold her. Um, Postpartum, ask her the questions, have chats, feed her, look after her. Um, You know, it's never going to be wrong. And I always say to people, it's not wrong. Um, It may look different to other people's husbands or partners in that space. Um, my only tip is that when you're in the birth space, don't turn on the TV. Do not have your phone. Um, yes, you're allowed to have your phone, um, but do not sit there with your phone on there. Um, yes, we hear partners sleeping during the birth and it's okay. Um, that's why I say to get a doula so you can shift and, and, and have that support. You know, he does need to sleep at some stage, especially if you're laboring for over 26 hours, he's exhausted. Um, So find your team in that space and find your team postpartum. They will always find a way to do things their own way, if that makes sense, in postpartum. So partners or um, dads will find their own way to settle baby. It's not wrong, but give them the confidence to do things. Um, Us women will always jump in and go, no, you're doing it wrong. No, it's got to be this way. I think the more that we try to do that to family or support or partners is that 
almost they could become standoffish and although stop and go, well, she's just going to tell me I'm doing it wrong, so what's the point of me actually trying? So getting them involved, um, as much as we like to tr- control things, try to sort of sit back and let them being involved and get their confidence in any element, birth or postpartum. So try to involve them more than what you think. And yes, it may not look great and it might be a complete shit show, but you'll both or they will find their steps in navigating through postpartum or birth. So get them involved. Um, Also finding, I always talk about your team and it's important to, no matter if that is a birth, a a doula, a midwife, an obstetrician, um, having them involved and feeling like it is a team for them as much as it is for the birthing mum so they have someone to talk to or, um, you know, have someone else to talk to as well because it's also very hard in... In, in journey because either males think that they don't have the right to talk or they um, don't know how to navigate their journey. So if they've got support there, you'll be quite surprised, especially with my dads in the, or support partners in my space, they get more involved without them realising it because they feel safe themselves. So um, what stage should someone contact you or other doulas? I would recommend you contacting a doula from the get-go. I recommend people people contact me from the get-go as soon as they've fallen pregnant um, because you want to create a relationship during that time with your doula and that's really important because they are either coming in your home postpartum or they're coming into your birth space. So you want them to understand you and being able to navigate concerns or, you know, all elements of your journey with them. So it's really important, I would say, from the get-go. All doulas obviously work differently. So some doulas will say, oh, yes, we'll only start talking when you hit the, the end of your second trimester. But ask the question to your doula how much they're involved in your journey as well when you are approaching a doula Um and what that offers, what that that service looks like. So if you are getting them early on, what does that mean? If you're getting them later down the track, how many sessions do you have them all beforehand? So if you're going to contact me, I would say from the get-go. Also, the other thing you've got to think of is doulas will have a cap on how many they take on a month just as midwives and obstetricians. So for that reason, they might be booked out. So if you're pregnant, want a doula, you've been eyeing off a doula from the get-go, contact them, all right? So um, you don't know what their availability is like. Can a doula support someone and not be present in the birth? Yes. I have supported women um, interstate and I think COVID sort of helped that a lot because you know, in, during stages of the pandemic, we couldn't be present because you weren't allowed to have support people in that birth space. So what I would ask or suggest is, yes, you can support someone um, prior to or being in presence. So it's up to you and the skills of the doula, to be honest, if they can support you. But I have supported people that are not Melbourne-based but want 
to work with me and they are interstate. So, and I've also supported people that have contacted me through uh, even in New Zealand. So, yes, for me, yes, but I would ask if you can, definitely, most definitely. What is the longest time I've been in a birth? Longest, that's a good question. Longest time I've actually been present, I've been in that one space as she was laboring is 26 hours. So nonstop, I've been by their side. Yes, people ask, do I eat? I do. I have a bag full of snacks. Um, I also um, may just rest for a little bit in that time, um, but I'm there with you the whole time. So if you are birthing 26 hours, 28, I'm there the whole time. So I do not leave your side. You've also got to think in that time you've, seen four or five midwives change um, and I'm that continuous care of being in that space. So you're not retelling your story um, to each midwife that comes onto that shift. Um, I am there that whole time. So I've supported women in the public sector before and we've been in and out of that home for three days. So, um, yes, I've, I've supported women not, I don't just come in when the baby's coming. I'm there the whole time. People ask me, another question is, what do I keep in my doula bag? Well, I'm going to do a whole segment on this one. Um, I have lots of tips and tricks. I'll give you some rundown. I have TENS machine. I have a lot of TENS machines. I also carry two TENS machines as backup because if one starts to fail, I have one another one in my bag. Everyone would have seen that follows me on social media. I do carry fairy lights with me. I also have a speaker. It's optional, obviously, for the couple to bring or the mum to bring their own speaker, but I do encourage um, that in the birth space, so I carry that. I have combs. I have lots of snacks. Um, I have a rebozo, which I'll talk about that in another um, uh, podcast, so Go stay tuned for more tips and tricks for your doula. Um, so I have a rebozo. I have um, other little techniques that I use to help with pressure points and things like that in the birth space. So, um, you know, if you're interested, send me a DM and I'll one day sit here and show you all the things that are in my doula bag because there's a lot of things that I do pull out. People call me Mary Poppins because um, – you need a spare bobby pin, I've got one. So there's quite a surprise of what I can I have in my my doula bag. Um uh, let me go back to my questions. If I'm birthing in a hospital, how do I create that environment safe for me to birth as if I was having a home birth? This is a really good question. I always say to people, in that birth space is to mimic what is at home in your in your hospital setting. Most people don't realise what they can and can't take into a hospital. So I would talk to the team um, that you're birthing, the hospital, what you can. So, you know, I encourage people to bring as much things as you want in that space. So if that's photos of loved ones, pets, um, also people I've had 
um, people that have brought their favourite space so or um, area. Like people love the beach. They have this beautiful picture of a beach or a photograph of the beach. So it's almost like a visual or focal point for them to focus in that birth space. Lighting. I always have the lights off or even if it's a broad day, mid-summer's day and it's 30 degrees outside and the birds are chirping, the blinds are down. All right, so check your lighting. Bring your lighting. That's why I have fairy lights. So create that atmosphere when you're also birthing. You almost, you go inwards. So you want to create that atmosphere. So lighting, music. Music can change a room instantly. And you would know this. If you're, you walk into a party and the music is happy, you're going to instantly change your mood. So if you are in that space, look at having a speaker. Um, some people bring diffusers. Now, you can't bring operate uh, candle diffusers, obviously, because it's a hazard in the hospital. So oil burners, sometimes people bring salt lamps. I do and always, always encourage you guys to bring your own pillows in the hospital um, because it also smells like your bed. It's home. Um, and let's face it, the hospital pillows are crap. So you wanting um, something that's yours, and especially if you sleep there the night before. And on the postpartum ward, postnatal ward, it's it's important to have your own pillow. I encourage that. So people bring blankets, robes. Um, I would definitely um, bring what is your safety at home. But the biggest thing, three big things, Lights, some people being battery-operated candles, lights, music, and something from home, which is your pillow, is important to bring into that space. But photos, affirmations, anything that you would do at home, bring it into that space, okay? So I don't see why that should change because you're deciding to birth in a hospital. So um, if you walk into my birth space, generally... We've got lots of things happening, speakers, fairy lights, things on the walls. So you can bring that, obviously speak to your hospital that you are choosing to birth at to see what you can and can't bring. But most hospitals these days are very open to you to create your space. And I know some, um, even public hospitals, instantly have fairy lights in their their birth space. You don't have to bring it. So if you're going to do a tour at your hospital, you're given choice a hospital I would ask that on your tour, what can I bring in that birth space or your healthcare provider um, so they can help you help you navigate that, um, that journey into that space as well as if you were doing it at home or not. Let me look at my questions as I bring them up right now. My biggest thing that I would say to you is, oh, I obviously get other questions like, birth questions a lot on my Q&As and I'll probably save this for another segment about mucus plugs and all the little things that most people want to know about when it comes to birth. Um, but I will uh, say once one part of it is when it comes to birthing questions is making sure you do a birth class. Um, most people think they're just going to read or look at social media. I think it's good to understand what happens from a birth aspect, not only for you but for whoever is in that birth space, to understand the multi-levels of birth for you 
and for your partner to understand, to support you. Because obviously watching a woman go through birth, there's physiological things that are going to happen to her. So we want you to understand that watching her go through that. So it's not only for you, but to understand what actually happens when you dilate, what's happening to the body. Um, And Hollywood um, has a little bit of a, a, you know, put birth to make it look beautiful and glamorous and it's done in two seconds after two pushes to understand what that looks like when it's happening. It may not even, I'm meaning also that if you go into labour, breaking your waters doesn't mean that you're going to go into labour or you might have contractions and there may no be water or everyone's waiting for this mucus plug to to come and then labour's going to start. doesn't always work like that. So that's why I always say to you, um, do your education. Read as many books. Yes, read. Research, ask questions with everybody. Um, but making sure who you ask those questions to. Okay. What made me become a doula? I've worked in the medical industry for, um, I would say now, or just over 15 years. And part of that time in IVF, and I've experienced or seen women go through their journey um, on their own. And I also wanted to be able to help women overcome fears when it came to birth because at the moment you you jump on social media and there's so much fear around, around birth. And I wanted to change that and empower women to have a positive experience and becoming a mother of two, uh, becoming a mother of myself to my girls enlighten this journey and why I wanted to become a doula. Um, and I think I wanted to change and get women to have that support in that space. So birth was, do you know that we're the most, we're um, mammals, humans are the most, we're the only ones that question birth. You know, women, animals, uh, you know, that I give mammals that give birth like we do, don't question and don't fear birth. So uh, that's a question that I think is thrown because there's so much out there that we reread and, and look up. So my, my biggest aim is to help m- mothers understand the process and offer assistance for both mum and the support p- parents during this time to understand all stages and then have that support. So... Um, I think we're still a, 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 um, a generation that shares a lot but also holds a lot in at the same time. So there's two different elements of why I wanted to become a doula, but working in the medical industry and then becoming a mother myself, I wanted to um, empower women and for women not to fear birth. One more last question before I finish. The question is I've also, and I'll talk about it, is do different types of pain relief affect your milk supply in the postpartum period? This is a question that I will talk with an LC um, in the upcoming episodes, but um, will it affect your supply? And I would say get do your research behind this because um, there's fear about if you have supply issues it's it's affected based by your birth but I would just get some education and proper education around 
um, the knowledge about what your breastfeeding journey looks like. There's reasons why, um, and it's got nothing to do with birth, why people can't breastfeed and why milk supply doesn't come in. So speak to your lactation consultants um, and speak to your midwives around that as well. So um, question, do I have a favourite playlist um, for birth? Yes, I do. I absolutely love music in the birth space. It's one of my biggest things that I love to do. And I listen to, I think I listen to music all the time. My kids are, we're always listening to it at home. But um, it goes back to the atmosphere. Having a playlist, I encourage couples or parents to make their own playlist in that birth space. Some people even like listening to it during their postpartum period. But I actually have my own playlist for my, my, um, birthing um, couples or mums um, and I will share it um, with you guys at some point. But it's normal, it's an it's it's a normal way to listen to music. And so creating that in that space is really important. I actually had a couple once that met through uh, salsa lessons um, and that's how their journey started. So in that space they actually salsa danced. So it's really up to you what music you have in that space. Um, that what relaxes you. Um, I suggest some people. I say if you listen to R and B or, you know, certain things that you want to listen to. Yes, you can listen to it at the start of labour, but at some point that's going to have to change into a more of a relaxing, um, calming, acoustic kind of playlist. Okay. So I'm going to put this up often on my page. Ask the questions. I'm happy to share them on on the podcast. Um, and no question's a silly question, to be honest, um, when it comes to birth and postpartum. Um, and I think, too, it's, an, it's a way for people to communicate with me that um, around Australia, around New Zealand, that they can actually text me or and text me, go through DMs, that they can ask me a question where they – or want to help navigate that question to either a midwife or an OB. So they just like, is this a question that I could ask? Or is this, you know, is this normal to be feeling this way or ask this question? So I do get many DMs from you guys and I'm honoured that you chose to ask these questions to me. So a question to me or anyone is never a silly question, so ask away. But I hope you like this segment. It's just a little bit of the Q&As that I do get often asked and as I did put out to you guys to ask these questions to me. So if you like this, send me a DM, write a comment under this podcast that if this is what you want, ask me a question and I will answer it on the podcast. And if not, I'll get the team, we'll interview the people that you are wanting for these questions to be answered. Thanks, guys. This podcast is brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. For more, join our Facebook group, The Modern Duller.